0: this week on the show.
1: And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. Like, I I thought I was losing the job because that happens all the time. Like, So I thought, oh no, like I did all this work. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Anna Hopkins.
1: And He said, dye her hair black, 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 black. And he was like, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we just went pitch black dyed the hair, redid it, and then he was like, yes, this is Lilith. And that, that really helped me get into the role too.
0: Actor, writer, director.
1: And Stephen, yeah, was always the best. And I remember, you know, nearing the end of the series, um, he was talking to me about how he really wanted uh, Samantha to stay because... Mm. He liked the idea that Oliver had um, a relationship with a female character that wasn't romantic. I mean, to be part of something that is so critically acclaimed and loved is uh, really special. And also something that um, was cancelled and brought back by by Amazon. That was an, an incredible thing to see
0: known for her work in the expense, Arrow. Shadow Hunters.
1: I always take this advice really seriously and I think people in the arts really should do this and if you don't you get trapped as she goes, you know you have to live your life and mm-hmm. you have to you have to enrich your life.
0: Let's talk to Anna Hopkins on The Very Creative Podcast. Anna Hopkins, how's it going?
1: It's going very well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. I'm so glad to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah. Saying that, I mean, we've worked together for a while now, but we haven't ever really met. So, yeah. yeah,
0: for those who don't know, uh, Anna has been super generous uh, in terms of helping me and Sana, uh, the girl I work with uh, for Radio Dodo. Uh, uh, radio Dodo is uh, the first international radio for uh, all children, but especially the children that are in difficulty living in countries at war. And uh, yeah, I'll put a link down there, but th- I just wanted to say publicly, thank you so much. Uh, for, well thank you for having for all me. your it's help.
1: an amazing project and i love i love to be a part of it
0: yeah anna's read so many stories for us and she, she mm-hmm. continues to do so and just been amazing so thank you yeah all right introduce yourself to everyone
1: okay well hi <sighs> <laughs> i'm anna hopkins um and i guess you can i i say i'm an actress i'm an actress I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm a I'm a, I'm a new director. Mm. Uh I'm a person. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Montrealer living yeah. in Toronto.
0: That's what we have in common. We're both from Montreal. Yeah. So we've yeah. both been to, to Dawson too. I have seen.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Dawson. I, uh, yeah.
1: what did you study in Dawson? Same
0: program. Same program.
1: Got uh, uh commun uh cinema and communication. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I did one year of that and then went straight to university in okay. Toronto. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And okay. yeah, studied a bit at Armstrong acting studio too. So I know really? you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yes. I, I love Armstrong acting studios. I, I teach there. I used to teach there more, but obviously during the pandemic in-person classes are not happening, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great place.
0: Yeah. It's, it started online, uh, after I left, uh, more, uh, and yeah. now I'm sure with the pandemic, it's even just, yeah. Online, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great school. I had a, a lot of fun and made a lot of friends. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Learned a lot. Um, all right. Um, so how this podcast works is I, I like to go through, um, how the, the guests grew up and, uh, to where they're now and how that creativity developed so uh talk a bit about growing up and finding that creativity what was your family like were they creative yeah nothing stays buried forever especially not the past yesterday is not yet gone a mystery novel by gabriel vega host of the very creative podcast available now paperback and digital gabrielvega.com buy it now.
1: Um, yeah, my family are all, they're all in some way or other artists. My father was a painter. My mom was a painter and a graphic designer growing up. That's what, that was her work. And, um, my brother also in the arts, so the whole family was. Yeah, it was very natural to you know go towards go towards the arts. Um, although I, when I was younger, I kind of started to get more involved in the performing arts. So I was dancing a lot, um, right. and and yeah, I mean, I, I always feel very lucky that I had a family that like they nurtured they nurtured any sort of creativity. Uh, And so, you know, you you often hear people say, you know, I wanted to be an artist, but I went, I went to, you know, med school instead. And that sort of thing. And, you know, if I wanted to go to med school, I think my parents would be like, what the hell? Like, Oh really? Oh yeah. Like it's very, I, I actually am very like, it's a uh, very conforming in a lot of ways because okay. it's just yeah. part of the family so oh. so yeah so i um yeah i started in dance and then in high school i got involved in theater and um actually a teacher at my school so i went to royal west in, and okay. in and a teacher at my school terry smiley her son is uh jacob tierney okay who um is also from montreal he's yeah. a director right um, and at the time he was an actor so he started acting as a kid uh and his sister bridget anyways the terry the teacher uh called her son's agent and said you got to come to, to the school and see right. this girl in a play I was doing a play and wow. she thought yeah. I was you know she thought there was something there so um that's kind of how I I got my first agent Karen Benziken who is still my one of my agents to this right. day so I've I've known yeah. her since I was 17 and I started to audition um and you know I started to work right and I I started studying with an acting coach, Jacqueline McClintock in Montreal, who was very, very formative in my life. Studied with her for almost eight years. So as I was doing university, I was in communications, I was writing, but outside of school, I was um, studying acting. And uh, and I got, yeah, I got some work. I got uh, the sort of, big, the first film was Barney's version in Montreal. Right. Uh, And that kind of started the ball rolling. And I, you know, again, I I always had a very supportive uh, environment for any of my creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. So, now, this all sounds very like everything worked out perfectly. There was a lot of like rejection <laughs> and yeah, there for- still is like so, 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 so much. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's generally the arc of how I, you know, really got into it and learned the craft of acting and, and started working professionally. And then I moved to Toronto and, yeah. and that sort of changed things as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great that you say there's, there was a lot of rejection because I think, uh, a lot of people look at the Instagram, they look at the, the paper, uh, the Wikipedia thing and they're like, oh, she just has a lot of project or what, whatever, whatever. And they're like, oh, uh, how do I do that? And she was so lucky, but like you, you work hard and you, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of rejection. And at some point, like I, cause I, I've auditioned too. And I, mm-hmm. uh, at some point you're just like, I don't care. I
1: don't,
0: yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, I think, I think with, I mean, for acting and with auditioning, it's, um, you really have to, some of the hardest work is managing your own brain right and and getting a bit of a grip on reality which is the fact that Mm. um the way in which a person gets a role i mean you hear it all the time but it's so completely out of your hands yeah that uh it's pretty much a numbers game you know and you've got to basically all you can do is make sure every time you're seen you are the best that you can be and you right. can't really think about anything beyond that and so it just becomes like a ratio you know how many times will i be seen and do a good job and you know for every job i i've gotten i would say no joke probably 50 rejections mm. maybe more so you see how getting caught up in a rejection of an audition stops you before anything can even happen Yeah. You now. And, um, and, and so you, I think it took me almost 10 years to really understand the art and the world of auditioning mm. and how it's so different than what acting is about and what your job really is. Yeah. And if you can really differentiate the two, then you start to become a little more free. You don't yeah. get into your head so much about, I'm not good enough and I'm wrong for this part. And it's like, no, just, just do your job, Mm. plant the seed. And then you have no idea, you know, what grows from that. Sometimes two years later I've gotten, Oh, we saw you uh, audition that one time. And, and I, here I was thinking, well, I never heard from them and I probably suck, you know, and it's, it's, you know, you have to, you have to manage your, your brain.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a bit about, uh, was, was Barney your first film experience or?
1: Yeah. Barney's version was my first film. So I, right out of high school, um, my first job was, um, um, limited series called human trafficking, um, which was really, I couldn't believe, I didn't even know what an acting job really was. Like I was in acting class a lot. So I was doing, you know, scene study and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh I was going out to some auditions and I got a call from my agent. I was actually in Dawson at the time in the Not course really. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, All right, you booked you booked uh, a part. And um you'll you're going to Prague. You're gonna Prague in, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> 10 days and you have got uh you know ten, ten days on set or something. Wow. And I thought Oh shit. Like, what is, what is this now? I don't, I didn't know. I'm like, how do, how does this work? What, you know, they're sending me scripts. I didn't anyway. So that was like really my first, first job. And then Barney's version was almost, uh, it was about five years later. Right. And um, that was my first film.
0: Yeah. And was that your first time working with big stars or?
1: Oh oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Human trafficking. There were some pretty. There were Donald Sutherland and years, okay, right. but I I didn't work a ton with them. Right. Uh, so so yeah, Barney's version was great. I remember you know going in for the auditions and the audition process was very long. Mm. Uh, they kept on changing their mind and saying. You know, you're in the running. Oh, you're no longer in the running. Or we want to see you again, but we want you to do something different. And I kept going. And over time, what was happening was they started to announce, uh, you know, in the media, like who was being cast in this film. So right. at the beginning of the the first audition, I thought because Mordecai Richler was is often adapted in in Quebec, so I thought maybe it was like a CBC series or something right. I had no idea any, about anything and I remember right before one of my callbacks I saw on the front page of the Gazette they said Paul Giamatti cast as the lead in Barney's version and I was auditioning for his daughter and I was like oh my god what <laughs> oh my god! and after that audition I still hadn't gotten the part Big, big news! Dustin Hoffman has been cast in Barney's version, and it just kept going and going, and the stakes were getting higher and higher for me because I wanted it so badly, but they still were not like pulling the trigger, right? And I finally got, yeah, the final, final audition. I remember there were so many people in the room. My, my dad drove me there. <laughs> He's waiting for me outside. And you know, you think it goes okay. And um, I finally got the call and it was my agent, Karen, who signed yeah. when I was in high school. And she calls me and I remember specifically, she said, are you sitting down? <laughs> and I knew that that was good news. Cause you're always reading their voice when they call you. Cause they might be saying, which always happens. This is the lingo. Unfortunately, it's not going your way. That's like a big phrase. Yeah. Uh, they didn't respond to your last call back, sadly. <laughs> but this time she said, are you sitting down? And that's when I knew, oh, my God. And I called my acting teacher because she had yeah. coached me on the audition. And it was so crazy. And at the time, I was working at um, Tavern on the Square restaurant in, in Westmount. Right. Um, and... I got a missed, I remember I got a missed call. And uh, on my break, I call the number back and it's the production. And they said, by the way, there's been a last minute dinner organized for the cast uh, tonight, if you wanna come. And, That's I was, scary. Yeah. and I'm like working, I'm like, fuck. And I said, you know, I, I might be able to make it. I'm not sure. And they gave me the address. And I hang up the phone and it starts raining outside. And I was working on the patio. Oh, boy. So I got cut. My boss says, you know, we don't need you anymore. It's raining. I'm so sorry. And I was like, I can go to this dinner. Right. So I get into a cab and I go to. What's the restaurant? Um, Milos on park. Right. Right. And I'm early and I'm in my waitressing clothes. Like I'm just like in like my black clothes. Like to, I'm like putting perfume on trying to like not smell like a restaurant. And I walk in and I say, um, I'm here with the group for Barney's version. And the wait- the hostess said, you know, uh, no, nobody's really here yet. But there's a few people. You go to the bar and wait for them there. So I walk over to the bar and it's just Dustin Hoffman and <laughs> everybody. And I'm just, and I'm usually like normal with people in general, but I lost all, like my mouth got so dry. And the first thing Dustin Hoffman said to me, he goes, you need a martini. And he orders (laughs) me a martini. (laughs) Anyways, that was the beginning of the experience. It was, it was incredible. And that changed a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was it, uh, was it? all fun after that uh was it stressful or the movie yeah shooting that yeah i mean
1: i think that it it wasn't stressful i know i i worked really hard to prepare so that and i worked with my acting coach so that once i got to set i felt all right right um You know, I look back on that movie now, and I look at my performance, and I think it's like so bad. I hate it so much. I can't watch that movie. The movie's great though. (laughs) Um, How many
0: scenes did you have?
1: Oh, I had a lot of scenes. I don't, I don't remember how many specifically. But okay,
0: it was a huge part, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a big part, and it's you know, it's based on a book. I remember reading the book um, after I got the role, and it was really, really impactful. It's a really beautiful. Film right. uh, book, and the daughter in the book is quite developed. So I got a lot of information and about her character before even reading the script. Right. Um, so no, it was just generally, and I only worked mostly with Paul Giamatti, who
2: is—he's
1: right. you know, one of the nicest, you know, actors in the industry. Like many people say that, and it's very yeah. true. Yeah. Um and we had a very very you know warm uh relationship uh, especially on camera. So I think it all was just it was really a special experience. I haven't really had um a film experience like that since. That was those don't come around that often.
0: Yeah. Was lightning in a bottle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then what happened after that? Did that uh, did people recognize you from that, or how did the
1: so the acting happen after that? Still in school, so I was still um, at Concordia, right? And before I got the role, I had applied to do a year abroad. Uh, I had applied to a couple of places. I really wanted to go elsewhere to finish my degree. And after the film we finished shooting i was accepted to go to paris to to finish my semester and i i remember talking to my agent and saying you know is it a bad time for me to just like leave cuz i wouldn't be acting if i went you know
2: right
1: and she said and i always i always take this advice really seriously and i think people in the arts really should do this and if you don't you get trapped as she goes you know you have to live your life and Mm -hmm. you have to you have to enrich your life you know so sometimes we all get so caught up with um getting the next job and just being so 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 plugged into this you know craft which is very important but you also can forget that the experiences that you get in the real world, make you a better artist and make you, you know, happier in a lot of ways. So, you know, I know some agents who would have said, no, you should not leave. This is a very important time. We can use this and blah, blah, blah. But she um, has always been a really positive person in that way in my life who said, go, go do it. Come back when you're ready. And, and so I did and um
0: that's so important though like that's really important for for an actor to just live their lives
1: exactly and no
0: wait for the call because that's exhausting too
1: you can wait you you know you can put everything on hold at a certain point this happens all the time with actors and taking vacations or taking time off you know we we never really have time off you're right. always working on the weekends and you're whether you're auditioning yeah. or you're all this stuff. And and uh, you start to learn like, no, I need I need maybe mm. a bit of time to just do something else. So yeah. anyways, I went away and um, the film and yeah, I could have I probably could have um, really used that mm. to get more work at that point, but I chose a different path and I went, I went away and I came back and the film uh, was finished and it premiered at TIFF or it it premiered in Venice and then it it did TIFF. And I remember going to TIFF. I had, it's like everyone has these, these stories. It's so, so common, but I had probably like $20 in my bank account at the time, you know, like, but yet, they fly you there and they pay for everything. So you're like in like a limo and you're in this like five-star hotel and everything's paid for, but you have no money. Like uh-huh. my mom bought me a dress to wear, like for the, you know, it was like that sort of thing. Cause I hadn't been working, you know, I was yeah. cool and
0: it's so funny. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah
1: It's so hilarious. So you see these photos yeah. on the carpet and and I'm telling you so many actors experience this because Usually the film happened over a year ago. Right. You probably didn't even make that much money off of it anyways. Yeah. And then you're thrust into these premieres that are just like so epic. Um, so we're walking the, you know, at the time, um, I was paired with Masha Grenon, who was in the film as right. well, for all of the press. And, um and at the time she was with Denis Villeneuve and so it was the three of us in the limos going around to TIFF and <laughs> I'm just like what's happening <laughs> and you know uh Paul Giamatti's there and everything so but at TIFF at the premiere after the the drinks we are all having drinks and Paul Giamatti's manager approached me and she said you know do you have any representation in the U.S. and I said wow. no and she gave me a card and she said give me a call and so that started you know I started to go down to New York to audition and get that ball rolling Um, but you know it still took me that was like when I was I guess 22 it took me until I was about 26 to really get um, another kind of big big role yeah. and that was when I moved to Toronto. So between 21 and 26 I was just pounding the pavement. I was audition after audition after audition, callback, callback, mm. you're it's between you and someone else. It's not going your way over and over and over like constant. And um but it wasn't so horrible because I was still trying to live my life, you know. Right. And Yes, I still was working in the restaurants and I was still doing this, but um, I was finishing school and I was happy about that and I was interested in writing and stuff like that. So I tried to balance out the massive, massive rejections <laughs> for like four years straight. <laughs> yeah.
0: Looking back, are you glad it happened that way?
1: Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't really change anything. Like Yeah there's it it, that's what's so interesting about acting is that or any any creative endeavor is that you really can't compare your path with anyone else it's so specific whatever door closes for you specifically there's another one that opens because of it and Mm -hmm. it's this sort of really delicate layering of how your opportunities kind of present themselves so you know yeah, there's some projects out there that I, you know, wish they went my way, but, you know, mm. then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, so it's, it's a, I, of course, the rejections are really one of the most important parts of, of this career because it really forms you.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change much.
2: Yeah. Nothing stays
0: buried forever. Especially not the past. Yesterday is Not Yet Gone. A mystery novel by Gabriel Vega. Host of the Very Creative Podcast. Available now. Paperback and digital. GabrielVega.com. Buy it now. Uh, I want to talk about Arrow, but uh, do you have anything uh, that you did before that? That uh, after
1: yeah. Arrow... Well, I, I I started. I went right as I moved to Toronto. I got an audition for Arrow, and it was for um, I think I think I know now. Well, I know that it was for um, I forgot all the names. Black Canary, I guess. So it would have yeah. been, yeah. So I got this audition. They got, I got a call back, and actually, I was doing. It was right at the time I was doing a, a Quebecois movie called Les right. Mets du Suspense with uh, Stephen Lemay. Yeah. And was it our-
0: was it after Katie Cassidy's uh, character's death or was no, that the was the black for, hair? I,
1: I believe this is. It was for <laughs> Katie Cassidy's role. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was back in I want to say like two thousand and thirteen,
2: fourteen. Right. Okay.
1: So yes, exactly. Katie Cassidy ended up getting that role. So I was going, I was, had callbacks for that role and, um, they never tell you what you're auditioning for, but I remember there was many, many scenes where they made it. Um, the scenes were between a brother and a sister and, um, is that, are they, they're not, no. No, 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 no. There's no brother. They and sister, were, yeah, they were trying to that. The, they're not real scenes, right? So, but they were just trying to get this dynamic, of, yeah. um, sort of a past, and they're very emotional scenes, and and I got no. no
0: it's because she has a sister in the, in the show.
1: Oh, she has a sister. Okay, so that I guess yeah. is
0: played by Katie lots. Yeah, Katie lots. Yeah,
1: so the. You know what? That's the that's the role. Katie Lotz yeah. yeah. She's the one. Katie Cassidy was already cast. Okay, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the names are bad. But yes, it's Katie Lotts that got this role. So what who does she play? The white canner. Right Kenner. yeah. So that's who it was. Okay. And um Anyways, yeah, it got super close. They said, it's between you and one other person. And my age mate, I had a new agent in Toronto and she said, you know, this is huge. This, this is a big role. I didn't know anything about the show. And then finally I got the call saying, it's not you. <laughs> 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 and I said, okay, well, on to the next. So a year, a year goes by, I think maybe a year and a half. I don't remember. And I go down to Los Angeles. Because I start going every year to go audition, 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 audition
0: for a pilot season. Right? For a
1: pilot season, mm-hmm. and um, the casting director of Arrow gives me an uh, sends me an audition, and they say, you know, we really liked you mm-hmm. two years ago or whatever. We'd love to see you. There you the go. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, auditioned for, they didn't tell me who it was at the time. The, the, the scenes were, I remember she was, I was playing a journalist and um, yeah. had another call back. The second time I went in, there was all the, all the execs, the creators, everybody. Right. And they said, yeah, you got the part. We're still not going to tell you who it is. <laughs> and um you're gonna. We're gonna fly you to LA. Uh, we're gonna fly to Vancouver. So, I go to Vancouver. And I think, yeah, a couple of days before, they they finally tell me like, this is your character name, and you. Uh, this is your backstory, and you. You know, had a baby with Oliver Queen. I was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. And my first. I had one day. It was my first episode. Was with um, Oliver's mom, where she gives me right. the. Text. Yeah. and uh and that began the the arrow experience
0: i i i love arrow so much and uh, that whole universe i i remember i i, I watched the pilot uh, when it first aired and i was like this is amazing because i was a big smallville fan Uh, growing up and then i I was like oh he's not he's not my green arrow the green arrow in smallville is my my green arrow and then fell in love with stephen and uh just uh yeah it was amazing and then got to meet him a few years later which uh at his premiere and uh it was it was it was a great guy he's nice so yeah yeah. what was that experience working with him oh
1: it was wonderful it was um yeah again like my first day was um I didn't meet him yet but once we finally met we became friends really quickly such a nice guy um really welcomed me in very i mean you know he he everyone says this but he set such a great tone for the right. for the whole set um and and yeah so like after that they they would just I would just get these calls out of the blue saying, you know, are you available next month? (sighs) We're going to fly you out. We have another episode or something. And I'd say, okay. And
0: were you busy when they, they, they called sometimes you were like, Oh, Um, you gotta,
1: you know, there were, there were, Oh, absolutely. There were certain periods where I couldn't. And so I missed out. They wouldn't write me in. And, um, and then sometimes, they would ask for my availability, and I was available. And then they would say, "Never mind, we're not doing it anymore." So you could tell that the way that they were writing was very fluid. Like sometimes yeah. they would play with the idea of bringing me back, and they didn't, or they did sometimes. So it was always very, very. It was a very fun kind of mm. thing in the back of my mind that sometimes you just get a call and you're just off to Vancouver. And there, you know, you stay in this hotel, uh, and the, the downstairs, like the bar area, there's like this bartender who's so nice. And he's always like all the actors, like, you know, go have a drink after work and talk to him. So, you know, you, you start to like, I would have these people in Vancouver that I would see, you know, once in a while. And it was like, Oh, I haven't been there in so long. I miss them. But, um, Yeah, I would get into my routines when I got there. I would go straight to Stanley Park. I would run on the seawall. It was such an amazing job that just once in a while, you just head out there. Um, And Stephen, yeah, was always the best. And I remember, you know, nearing the end of the series, um, he was talking to me about how he really wanted uh, Samantha to stay because Mm. he liked the idea that Oliver had um, a relationship with a female character that wasn't romantic.
2: Mm.
1: He thought that was like a really, and I agree, like it's a really interesting, it's very different than all of the other, uh, you know, relationships that he has. So he wanted to explore that. He liked the idea of that sort of co-parenting, you know, idea for his character um and he was like you know i'm rooting for you to live like i really want you to live yeah. and i was like me too <laughs> yeah. and i think yeah he said that when we all did that big big i guess it was a big crossover like i was kidnapped and i yeah i don't remember was that was.
0: your last episode because when you went out uh when you, your death scene spoiler alert uh i was in the yeah. se- season five finale right so
1: yeah that was um, my
0: favorite episode of the show, by the way.
1: Yes, that was my final. Yeah. So, so I guess, yeah, I guess he brought that up before that. And I remember he was in Toronto doing Code Eight, which was mm. like a feature that he did with. Yeah,
0: that's no, where I, I met him. this premiere for Code Eight.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was in town and he was shooting very close to my house. So I was like, oh, I'll come by and say hi. And I went over and. And I was like, so any news? <laughs> and he goes, it's not good news. <laughs> oh, boy. And he told me, and I go, so how do I die? And he goes, very badly. Like, it was just like very, d- and we laughed. And I was like, all right, well, you know, like, that's just how, you know, this story will go. And And so then I finally got the next episode and I read it and uh and yeah we shot that and then that final you know he's holding me and yeah and i die and you know that was it and so it was the end of an era it was a, a couple of years of of yeah. a really interesting um you know i'm so glad i could be a little bit part of this of the universe it's an awesome right awesome show
0: best episode to die in though i i, would I say, agree, I, agree. I, I think i watched when it aired that episode i watched it at least four times <laughs>
1: yeah it's a very epic episode i mean how the writers keep track of everything i don't know like the amount of crossover storylines and characters and histories i mean
0: and it was 23 episodes a year i think yeah yeah that's a lot
1: yeah they were shooting all year um yeah i mean i remember when i first when my first episode aired I got a taste of of some of the the dark, the darker part of the fandom. Yeah. Everyone hated me because <laughs> oh I was, you know, apparently putting some sort of wrench between Felicity and Oliver. Yeah. But by the end, I was, you know, people seem to have they they no one really loved like there's some people that love Samantha, but most people are like, <laughs> you yeah. know, why did you like get involved and you should have done this and you should have done that? But by the end, a lot of people were saying, "No, actually, we have a lot of sympathy for her, and she should have lived." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate that."
0: Yeah. Well, no, I I think uh, your time there was like to be part of the crossover and to die in, in that episode. Your time was, was great. I am like, I yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what did you do after that? Did you went straight into Bad Blood or
1: No, um so Arrow, yeah. So after Arrow, I did um Oh, I did Defiance. So Defiance okay. was my first series regular role in Toronto. Right. And uh that was that was great. That was my first real you know, big role on uh, television shows. So I learned so much there. And so I did defiance. Then, um, I did, I started doing some like smaller roles, uh, you know, guest starring on, uh, sci-fi shows here in Toronto. Right. And then, it's so funny, like trying to recount your own resume without <laughs> looking. I'm like, uh, what here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>
0: No, I think it's interesting how it all happened, and yeah,
1: yeah no, it's like it all leads into. And now I'm like, no, Arrow was before Defiance, okay, and then there was Defiance, and then yeah, and then oh, then there was Shadowhunters. Shadowhunters okay. was the next sort of big, yeah. big role, and um, and and the showrunners of Shadowhunters, right, were the showrunners of Defiance. So okay. actually. It was like about five years later, I got an audition and I got an email saying, hey, you know, it's great to see you. That's another that's another one where I auditioned for it. And they wrote me back and they said, your audition was so great, but we're looking for someone much older for the role of Lilith because she's really supposed to be um, very maternal, you know, like an older maternal figure. And I said, all right, that's totally fine. Like, I love the material. Um, thank you for the opportunity and, you know, good luck. Yeah. And uh, the following weekend, I just get a, a Facebook message from one of, from one of the showrunners and he goes, he goes, I can, I don't, I'm not supposed to tell you this cause you're going to get a call, but it actually you're, you're getting the role. And I was like, "What?" And I finally got the call from my agents and I was like, "I actually already know, but yay." And uh and uh, again, I didn't know what I was auditioning for. So then they oh. called me and they said, "By the way, you're going to be the baddest villain of our season and we're so excited." And so that that happened and then while I was shooting Shadow Hunters in Toronto, the expanse was auditioning for the role of Monica. And so I remember I went in um, and I got that role and that was just for season three. So I did season three, Uh, finished shadow hunters expanse went into season four. I wasn't in it.
2: Um,
1: And yeah, then suddenly expanse called again and said, you're in season five. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but then I did that and yeah. uh and yeah so that's you know that's how you're always working auditioning yeah. this and that
0: yeah let's let's talk about shadow hunters for a second because I, I I have a lot of friends that are fan of, of that <laughs> and uh, I'm sure they they want me to ask questions but uh, uh I heard that you you read the books uh right and I you got was- you got into them right
1: yeah, I read, so again, when I when they finally called and said, you know, you, this is the role you're playing. And they, and they said, you know, we want you to watch, we want you to watch the the second half of the first season. Because that's, so the showrunners changed halfway through in the first season. Right. And they said, you know, we want you to watch our episodes because it's a different tone. It's a mm. bit darker. We want you to get an idea of that. And they also said, we'd love for you to read the book that this particular mm. season is based on. So I didn't read all of the books, but it was um I forget which what it's called, but it was the one based for season three. Um yeah. and yeah, I, I totally got into it. Like yeah. they're very I always say like they're very cozy, like <laughs> right. very cozy kind of like
2: Romantic yeah.
1: yeah romantic, but also there's something about you know New York City at night and the underworld right. and it's it's um you know there's a darkness to it but it's it's not too dark like so there's it's just a really fun yeah. world especially reading it at night you know before you go to bed like it's just like a really really nice world yeah. to live in so i I love the books when I when I started and then and then getting a sense of who Lilith was from the books. And then also the showrunners encouraged me to, you know, they said, look, this role is obviously, she's a mythical character generally in literature. Mm -hmm. And so do your thing. Like if you want to, go research you know interesting stuff about the way she has been portrayed in literature so i did that which was really fascinating um and i just got a really good sense of of who she was and um
0: what was it like to play a villain and that you said she was like uh when you got the call that they were pitching it oh uh uh, she's a uh, really or, or baddie or, or bad yeah. baddie. So, yeah. what was it's it like? Big,
1: they use the term "big bad," which is like, you yeah. know, sort of the biggest, mm. um, you know, the worst kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, I play villains all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think, yeah, especially with Lilith, it was really, it was very um, obvious why she was so bad because. Right she was so hurt like her pain is so deep that it's actually it was very easy to access that because you know i it's a it's a harder thing if you're playing like um a sociopath you right. know who just kills for no reason like that sort of thing obviously that's a very interesting it just takes a little bit more maneuvering i think with lilith it's like someone killed her son you know, yeah. so the revenge is very clear. Like, I know why I want to do this. So, and I was just given free reign. Like the things that she was just so bad, the things I would read in the, in the script were like, Oh my God. Like when I give Jace the love potion to like fall out of love with, with Kat and like, I'm just so conniving. And eventually um, I really do get my revenge, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. I I went the one of the first days I went in to do my my hair and makeup test, and they did all they tried all these different looks, and I they we finally presented it to Matt Hastings, who's the director and also one of the producers, and he said he was like, oh no, like you look like Ali Ordolis, who plays another character on the show, um, and I thought. Oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Like I, I thought I was losing the job. Cause that happens all the time. Like right. last minute, somebody's like, ah, it's just not working. We need to. So I thought, Oh no, like I did all this work and I'm so excited. <laughs> but you know, all he said was he just looked at me, he goes to the hair, to the hair. It was, uh, I remember, I don't remember who was there on that day, but they just said, he said, dye her hair black, 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 black. And he was like, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we just went pitch black, dyed the hair, redid it. And then he was like, yes, this is Lilith. And the, that really yeah. helped me get into the role too. Yeah, you know, The evil, the evil look.
0: Yeah um yeah uh, i heard you make a playlist for for all your characters so i mm-hmm. I, I was just curious about that I, I like you said the the hair helped, and uh, i'm sure like the the costumes and everything that helps you get into character too but okay. uh, talk about the playlist too
1: yeah well the costumes i would say were the real um like one of the final like pieces yeah. and again i've never worked on a show um, up until bad blood where the costumes are really incredible, but um, they put me in these gowns. So there was this sort of like regal aspect to Lilith that I wouldn't have really, I don't think been able to capture without these costumes. So we got the costumes and then the other thing that was really important were the nails. Cause she uses yeah. her nails to kill. And so we tried a, a bunch of different places in Toronto to do, you know, these false—the ones that remain on—and for about six months of the year, I had nails this long, I don't know, yeah. like that long, black, right. and that, that really helped. And then, and then the playlists, you know, were really helpful for me uh, when I was on set because, you know, a lot of Lilith's scenes were she was alone you know, she was in her penthouse and she was brewing and she was just, there's not a lot to play off of, you know, a lot yeah. of times you get your actors that you're in your seamed partner together and you're just doing, but this, you know, you're really alone. So I really made sure that I had, I got into her head a little bit beforehand. And um, I wonder if my playlist is still on this, this phone. I lose my phone a lot, by the way. Yeah. So, but one of the songs I would listen to on repeat was a song from the social network. Okay. Um, called hand over bruises.
0: Oh yeah. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. I a- loved to write to that song.
1: Yeah. It's a great writing song. That yeah. whole album, the whole soundtracks so, of yeah. uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and such a beautiful yeah. soundtrack, but that song was on repeat for Lilith. Like, that is what I would listen to. And I would walk around the set and there's just something about um, it's. There's a darkness, but there's also really strong energy. Like she is, she is so active in what she's trying to do. Mm. You know, she's not just somber and laying around. She has a plan. So I just found the energy of that song to just really, really mm. get Lilith into her, into her head. And um, uh, Dom was would always make he Well, he, one day I actually did lose my phone so during the shooting and I needed it to I needed to listen to my music so I actually brought my laptop to set with headphones and I was walking around set with holding my laptop Right, and he thought like he made so much fun of me for that because I'm just like using it as a iPod basically but I was like I need to listen to my music yeah so yeah
0: yeah um yeah we have a few minutes left before I I let you go but uh uh, talk a bit about the expense what's the experience been like
1: yeah the expanse has been I mean to be part of something that is so critically acclaimed and loved is uh really special and also something that um, was canceled and brought back by by Amazon. That was an an incredible thing to see. Uh, And I think the role that I play on that show is like one of my favorite roles I've had so far. She's so smart and uh, she has evolved so much since the first time we meet her. She's really, um, they put so much care into all the characters, even the ones that show up once in a while, like mine. So, uh, I love, I, I loved watching the show. And, and so I'm also Mm. a fan. Um, and yeah, I think, I, I think the final season is going to be awesome.
0: Great. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you, uh, before we end with our game, uh, how do you deal with, uh, anxiety and, uh, uh, mental health because uh, creatively it's it's i'm sure you're also really busy so it must get to you at some point and how do you deal with that
1: yeah i think like us creative types are you know there's the gift is that we get to create but you also can absorb so much like you know, I watch a news. I watch the news, and I drained because I'm. You know, you you just absorb. You're just those sensitive. You know, sensitive people. So I really need my alone time, and I don't ever ever sacrifice that. And um, that was a hard thing to to do because over the years I've learned to say to my friends, you know, actually on Saturday, I need to just be alone. <laughs> yeah. And even if it's the only day we could see each other, if I've reached that place where I just, I'll burn out. So for me, that's so important. Um, and then also doing things that have nothing to do with work or creative stuff, like, you know, going for a long walk or, uh, you know, I I never baked before, but now I'm like obsessed with baking because it's like an activity that like you're using your hands and it's a really satisfying process. But you're not thinking about story and, you know, you're not getting it's just tasks in front of you. So I think, yeah, nurturing yourself, the well of yourself by just like shutting everything out once or twice a week, if you can, even just a couple of hours, I think is really important.
0: Yeah. Does your dog help?
1: Oh, my dog is, my dog is an antidepressant. Basically. (laughs) He is a walking antidepressant. He is so, he adds so much to my life. And he also gets me out like outside, which I think is really Mm. helpful. Like if I don't, sometimes I don't have him. I share him sometimes with my friend and, I can get stuck in the house doing work and I'll have not mm. been outside until like 8 PM. And it's like, Oh, my. and we're the- really
0: great dog, for that. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dog, it's like seven in the morning. I got to get out. So yes, I also highly recommend getting a dog.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I take life too seriously and I just look at her and I'm like, okay. Yes. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not <laughs> but- that important.
2: Exactly. Um,
0: yeah they live in the moment and they they're like uh, yeah it's just uh, they don't look at the world the same as us and it just reminds you that
1: moment to moment yeah where's the next meal i'm like great (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. all right uh so the game is called the feel-good game um what's your feel-good movie
1: (sighs) what's my feel-good movie i would say sister act yeah why Oh, because, I mean, it's so, so hilarious. The music is amazing. And it's, you know, the the stories of people coming together who would never have come together before and forging uh, amazing friendships.
0: Yeah. I, I watched it for the first time recently. Loved it.
1: <gasps> oh, my God. It's the best. I watch it, like, once a week. I just- Do you like
0: the sequels, too? Or?
1: Yeah. I wa- I actually just watched this track too, again. But there's something about that first one that's just like it's gold.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh what's your feel good TV show? Uh
1: Frasier. I yeah. watch Frasier all the time. It's Why? I wouldn't say feel like it is kind of feel good, but it's feel good because it's very funny and it's very um it's just absurd. So I love, I love to laugh to feel good.
2: That's
0: great. Um feel good song
1: um hmm feel good song that's a really good question i'm like it's <laughs> a really sad <laughs> music <laughs> um i listen to a lot of steve reich like it's really upbeat like i'll listen to that if i'm like on a run or something so i'd say something like that
0: yeah do you have an album from start to finish that makes you feel good
1: um, I'd say probably no need to argue cranberries. Okay. <laughs> That's a classic start to finish for me.:
2: I'm going
0: to go listen to that. Never did.
1: It's so good. Oh my God.. I know. It's a good album
0: okay uh oh well, thank you so much for for doing this and uh, yeah
1: thank I you really yeah appreciate it nice to talk to you
0: yeah and we, that's our meeting for the first time so yeah. i
1: know yeah nice to see you
0: <laughs> yeah you too and yeah so uh, yeah anna hopkins thank you for coming on the very creative podcast
1: thank you for having
0: me all right you've been listening to the very creative podcast with gabriel Vega. To find out more, go to GabrielVega.com slash podcast or find us on social media at The Very Creative Podcast. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Just search for The Very Creative Podcast and subscribe.